We're back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I'm Allie. He's Dustin. I'm in Myrtle Beach. He's in Idaho. Dustin, how are we doing? Well, Allie, I, you know, I'm in love with my new sweatshirt. And I got to be honest, I threw it on and it's like almost 60 degrees here today, which is not, I mean, that's, that's a nice day, right? Like that's, that's nice. a win. Yeah. yeah. It's a snow. And I'm like, you know, I can take it back off, but you know, I got to support the dog pound. And I got to tell you, Allie, just going to throw that out there today. I was driving to work today and you know, teams need themes when they start the off season, right? It's true. When the Browns made the playoffs, it was that we want more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland, if you steal us, I'm okay with it. Unfinished business. <laughs> Unfinished business for next year. And I got to tell you, I felt today like, like I'm still on a high, if that makes sense. Like I'm still right in this. The fans can feel it. Like the media is like, hey, this is an upcoming team. The Browns will be back. Like this whole thing is like, it's going to carry over. And that buzz, I don't know if you've kind of had that feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go free agency. Let's go NFL draft. Let's get this. Let's get going. Right. I don't know. I've just had this weird kind of, I've never had that in the off season. It's more like, oh God, who's going to be my starting quarterback? Oh, which pick are we going to have with the third? Yeah. Like I, it's a totally weird, different feeling for me, Allie. Just you know what's weird too is, you know, I love the, I love the NFL draft. I love reviewing and reading different analysts, mock drafts. Um, and what's really weird right now is we have to keep scrolling. We got to scroll all the way down to pick 26. We go to like the third page to see who they had the Cleveland Browns selecting with the 26 overall pick. Previously, as you know, we're top five, we're top 10. It's easy. We're the number one pick overall. We've done that many years in a row. So it's interesting um, to kind of be at the, the bottom of the first round. And I'll tell you, I completely agree in terms of the energy that's just around the organization, the buzz, the hype, it's all there, but it's, it's not unrealistic. A couple of years ago, you know, it was this, this hype we know going into the 2020 season, I'm sorry, the 2019 season, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, we, we have the hype, there's the energy, but something's just off here. Right. We have the pieces in place. We have, we, we've got the uh, reigning or we've got the head, you know, head coach of the year and Kevin Stefanski. We've got Andrew Barry, who's going to be very aggressive this offseason in the draft and free agency via trade. You feel good. You feel good about where we were, where we where we are and where we're going. Well, you know, it's funny. I, some of the stuff that um, and we'll get into this in a few minutes, um, but from Stefanski's presser was. I'm going to be a better coach next year and find right. more ways to make the Browns offense more explosive. Which wow. is crazy to think of, right? Right. I'm like, okay, you put like 35 points up sometimes like, and like, and then sometimes most of the time. Right. But I think what he's saying is like, Hey, we're going to have someone like Odell Beckham back and some of these other playmakers. And by the way, we're going to be in a much better schematic going into year two with this offense. than we were like, Hey, everybody, you're learning the offense, right? That's not going to be the case anymore. It's like, what are we fine tuning this car to run even better? Well, on that note, Dustin, something that's different this year than it is for as long as I can remember, probably for my entire lifetime, is we're running it back. You have continuity and you have stability and structure within the coaching staff. Sure, sure you might have a couple of pieces and parts in terms of, you know, position coaches leaving to take on a higher role. But for the most part, you're going to have your, your head coach. First off, you're going to have your GM, your head coach. Your, all of your coordinators, defensive, offensive, special teams, and most of the position coaches. That's and huge. More, and most importantly to what, you know, Andrew Barry's presser today was, you have a quarterback and stability at the quarterback position, which he said is the most important position yeah. in professional sports, which I, I agree. 
your your team is win or loss with with your quarterback. And so it, it is interesting to be going through a different kind of phase as a Browns fan um, to be looking at how to just make it better, not, you know, and you, to your point, Al, you bring up a great point. It seems like we were in this vicious two-year cycle. This coach didn't work. We got to put a new one in. It's a new head coach, a new offense. And it's a whole, there was no continuity for Yep. For two decades, this is called since the Browns were reborn. There hasn't really been, other than maybe Butch Davis or some of those guys that had a little bit more longevity. There's no, there was no continuity. And then you had an owner change, right? The learners uh-huh. bought the team originally, or you know, created the, you know, became the ownership, and then it got turned over to the Hasms. But there's never been that continuity. And guess what? If you look at the National Football League, the teams that win all the time have continuity, right? Yeah, they- not just continuity within the organization, but just with all of the coaches, even if you go back and you had, God, we had Petten for what, two years, but you had multiple offensive coordinators under him. You had Kyle, and then he left on his own accord, of course. But for the first time, Dustin, since I can remember, you have continuity with your coordinators and your head coach. So just keeping that in mind, and and by the way, guys, if you don't know this already, Kevin Stefanski runs a very specific offensive style, right? It's that Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, as I just mentioned, style of play. It's very specific. It's fairly complex. Um, So to be able to run it back with the same position coaches, for the most part, to instill this in your new players, who you bring in through free agency and the draft, to really coach them up with the same, with the same verbiage, with the same coaching techniques, with everything, the same players around them, the continuity is going to be, it's, that's really going to be the key to this uh, success as we go into the 2021 season. I think we saw that with Baker Mayfield as the season progressed, he got better and better and more comfortable in the offense and the entire team did. Right. Like, okay, we got this now. We, We know what we're expected of. We know what plays are going to be ran. And as the season went on, it got easier and easier for the Browns. So all of a sudden they start piling points on in the second half, right? Yep. All of a sudden those games look like, wow, where did those Browns come from? No, it just took them time to develop as a team to build that chemistry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of exactly my point when I've said this before, when people say, oh, the Browns are better without Odell Beckham Jr. No, they started to click and everything started to make sense at the time that Odell Beckham Jr. went out. Mm-hmm. So that notion's ridiculous. We don't support that. So if, you, if you're here and you're thinking that, get out of here. I'm just kidding. You're welcome to stay. <laughs> uh, we do appreciate you. Guys, we've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We're going to get into all of the ins and outs of Browns updates around the league. We're going to talk some mock drafts. We're going to talk free agency. We're going to talk J.J. Watt. We know that's out there. We're going to break it all down, but we are going to welcome uh, roughly about 8.30 um, we are going to bring on the Marion Motley crew, the Memorial Fund Committee, uh, to talk about his statue that's being built in Canton, Ohio, my hometown. We're just really looking forward to that. But before we get into it, Dustin, before we even do that, we got to give out a huge shout out to our good friends at OnlyInCleave.com. Family, friends, ladies and gentlemen, for all of your apparel needs, whether it's a hat that Dustin knows me, by the way, um, whether it's a hat, a t-shirt, a crew neck, or just some home decor, go check them out at OnlyInCleave.com. Dustin, some big news, some big news. We've been waiting on it. We've been talking about it. And this time last year, we were saying, Jadavion Clowney this, Jadavion Clowney this. Where's he going to sign? This season, every show about every show. This season, it's where's JJ Watt going to go? What's going to happen? And oh, out of of the blue, he signs with Arizona. What's your overall thoughts on it? Odd. I find it odd. I have a friend that's a huge Cardinals fan. He almost hung up. He almost literally hung up the phone on me. So if if you're watching tonight, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I'm a little confused with J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals. He goes, well, why is that? I said, well, 
first, one of his criteria was, I want to go to a playoff team. Your team didn't make the playoffs. I want to go to a Super Bowl contender. Your team hasn't contended for a Super Bowl in a while. And he doesn't want to get double teamed. And I'm like, I think all three of those, they didn't check the box. Now, I looked at it a little bit more. Um, and I said, okay, you know, I kind of like you, Allie, I kind of look at it from yeah. a microcosm. I go in a little deeper and look at, okay, well, what might be the real reason? Here's what I think. He played in Houston, right? Texans, dome. Going to the Cardinals, playing in a dome, not much of a different environment, right? Also moving one state away, you know. Um, so for, me, for him, it might just be a comfortable, a comfort level thing. Yeah. He'd, he'd rather maybe play on. Now, I'm not sure if, is Houston, are they natural? They're artificial turf, I'm assuming. Oh, uh, that I don't know off the top of my head. So Phoenix, which is interesting, is natural grass. Actually, yes, it is. Which is really but, interesting for for yeah. Arizona, but it's very cool. They grow it outside, then they roll it inside the yes. city. But um, I don't know if it's just he likes playing in the dome. I mean, that might be a thing. You know, this is the latter part mm -hmm. of his career. Um, yeah. From everything we've heard, the Cardinals did offer him the most money, even though there were some people that said maybe he offered more. But actually, no, 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 they didn't. Uh, oh. Actually, it was the Browns and the Colts offered him the most money. Okay, but it was like a million, it wasn't like a huge. I know it wasn't like a astronomical difference where all these guys were kind of it didn't seem like from what well, I. Well, you know what? I think going into this, and we we talked we talked about this at length. You don't know what somebody's why is. You can't get in the head of JJ Watt. You don't know if he wants to go win a Super Bowl. You don't know if he wants to go play for his brothers. You don't know if he wants to go take the most money. Clearly, for him, he came out and publicly said, "I want to, I want to take, um, you know, go with a team that has a good quarterback. I want to go with a team." Um, obviously money and go with somebody who's going to be a winner. Most of those things were not checked off the list. I think his why was what's going to be the best for my family, my wife, and it was to go live in some warm weather. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Anywhere I've ever moved outside of Ohio, by the way, guys, that's in the South. There's nothing wrong well, with that. But here's a funny thing, Allie. Um, if you, so, you know, I'm always doing the JJ watch. His wife plays for the professional soccer team in Chicago. She does, which, yes. Yeah, which also surprised me, if you want to be closer to the wife during the season, you know, do you go to the Bears? Do you go to the Bills? Do you go to the Browns? Because that's a couple out, you know, within a few hours of where she plays. So I, I don't know, but at the end of the day, obviously, you know how this is, you know, they, they bring you in, they woo you. It's honestly how you, how, who you feel most comfortable with. Now, I don't know about, I'll be completely honest, I think the verdict's still out on Kyle Murray. I, I don't know if he is going to be the long, you know, um, future answer in Arizona. Like, I don't think, I mean, I see him one of those kind of quarterbacks that gets figured out after a couple of years because the NFL is all about tape, right? Okay, we're not going to let him run, right? We're going to kind of do like they kind of done to, you know, Lamar Jackson to at some point. You know, he's going to, he's not going to have those high, you know, kind of level of seasons. I don't know if that's the answer yet. Now, if he goes to the Rams, I could almost buy into that because he's going there with Matt Stafford, a proven quarterback, great defense. I can, you know, like I could see where that makes sense. Buffalo Bills made a hell of a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it did. Because they're close, right? And boy, he just elevates that defense even more, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's got a good quarterback that's going to be there for a long time. And they were just one step away from the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I just, it just didn't. I didn't that's yeah, weird no it's weird I, I agree like it's not what I expect I don't think it's what anybody expected but you know well, what that's okay it's on to the next now Dustin let me ask you you're Andrew Barry 
Who's next on your list? I'm going after the guy from the Saints, man. Lattimore. I mean, like if we can No, get- I mean, I mean specifically at, at edge rusher. If if you are going to, if you are filling the need specific because we know that there is a need as a pass rusher. We need that. Who who's your next target? I don't know if I have one yet. You know, and, and, let, me, and let me explain why I don't. So Andrew Berry brought up a really good thing that kind of makes me really like him as a GM today. We're going to wait and see what comes to us. Like he's, I thought that was really interesting that he said that. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. Don't go out and be like, hey, 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 you know, we want you, we want you. So whoever becomes available in free agency, kind of let them come to you and then you can kind of bargain. So I don't know. I, I don't think they have kind of like, I wouldn't even at this well, point. Well, who would you go for? I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of guys out there who who's who's kind of on your radar here. I mean, do you do you go make a big splash or do you kind of I mean, what do you do here? You're Andrew Barry. Who's your target? Quite honestly, at this point, I would target someone in the draft. I honestly would target Really? I would. Okay, no, no, I I I guess I guess I there is a need in the draft. But you're picking, keeping in mind, you're picking at 26. Right. Now, while this is a relatively rich defensive, def- defensively driven draft, I'm not entirely sure what the value is going to be at 26 for a pass rusher. Now, you might be able to get, now, interior to the, uh, of the defensive line, whether that's Christian Bearmore at number 26 overall in the interior from Alabama. Yeah, you can sign me up for that all day. But I mean, specifically, opposite of Miles Garrett, what are you going to do? And I don't think you can get that at 26 overall. You might be able to. Gregory Rousseau out of Miami would be a great option. Um, does he have the production? I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of NFL free agency or even via trade, you know, there's plenty of guys out there. You've got Carl Lawson down in Cincinnati. You have Von Miller from Denver, who many people have kind of, um, you know, added to the list there. Trey Hendrickson down in New Orleans would be a nice, nice little addition. Might come in a, at a nice price tag. Um, but there, there are plenty of options. And I'm just curious, really, at this point in time, where you're going with this. I would lean Trey if I had to. And okay. from everything I'm hearing, Von Miller is not going to be moved. So I think he's going to stay in Denver. Um, he would be, my, per, first and foremost, if he was available and the price was right, I'd go Von Miller. Like, that yeah, just, I agree. He's equivalent to a J.J. Watt. Um, you know, he didn't play all of last year, so you maybe get him for a deal, right, on a restructured deal, or you get him in a pretty good trade. I mean, he'd be my number one alley if I had to go, like, hey, if I could, like, have a wish list tomorrow and I'm Andrew Barry, it'd be Von Miller. I'd be, like, proven yeah. pro bowler, you know, uh, grinder type of player, like, I like, right? He's a grinder. He's going to go out there and give you everything I got. Um, also, Miles Garrett looks up to Von Miller, goes out and trains with him, right? Like, talk about a bond and chemistry that those two guys could build. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to give them up. And, and, and if they give them up, what would be the price tag, right? You know, what would they with Carl Lawson? I think, I think at this point, I think Cincinnati would be ridiculous to give him up. I don't think that's probably going to come to fruition, but going back onto Von Miller, he's kind of the guy I'd probably target at this point because you had a veteran presence on the defensive line, but somebody, Dustin, we talk about the draft. Do I think you can get high value second, third, maybe fourth round at defensive end if you don't address that in the first round? Yeah, absolutely. I surely think you can, but I don't think it's a plug and play kind of guy. You put somebody like, let's say Von Miller opposite of Miles Garrett, you're going to have somebody like a Curtis Weaver behind him, Porter Gustin, if they so choose to bring him back, you are going to have depth, but then add another piece there in the draft. I think it's absolutely necessary. So... I don't know, but I agree. I do want to go back and I do want to highlight Marshawn Lattimore out of the Saints. I think that would be huge if you can pair him opposite of Denzel Ward 
and put somebody on the front the front four to have that locked down and then the the back seven locked down and you add a speedy wide or wide receiver a speedy linebacker in the middle of that defense well, you shape this around like that well ali think about if in, as you start the season you have von miller on the end and you have a lot of more back there think about that opposing defense because we weren't a bad defense this year I mean, there were some, you know, we got exposed at times, but it, but we weren't the worst defense. I agree. Yeah, it was it wasn't as bad as we thought. Yeah, it's the middle of the road, but you add those components mm-hmm. and then some depth through the through the draft. Holy cow, you're cooking with some gas. Then now back to your point, we address the speed issue, right? We, you know, we have to go through Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, right? There's your juggernaut, you know. Um, of who you have to kind of go with who has the speed. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be very telling for me to see. But I do I got to tell you that was the nicest thing that you know Andrew Barry's pretty good. And I and I and I know I, I don't brag up Curtis Weaver, but you know the Miami Dolphins thought they were going to pull a fast one on the rest of the teams in the NFL. And and, and Andrew Barry went out and said, "You know, you guys picked him with the fifth over, you know, the fifth round pick. We were high on him." I mean, I don't know if you know that, but Andrew Barry has now come out and said, we were high. Most um, teams were, yeah. And he goes, you're stupid for letting him hang out there. We'll, we'll take him because if there's anything we've learned is the depth of those two positions, offense and defensive line, are going to be huge yeah. um, for this team winning in the trenches, especially if they want to advance into the playoffs and get to the AFC championship game. They're going to need that depth. You're going to need speed. You're going to need depth. Um, how about this? Uh, today, um, uh, Minnesota released Kyle Rudolph, the, the veteran tight end. He's 32 at this point, and Cleveland media is having a lot of fun with this one, having oh, I, a ton of fun. I think we should sign him for $20 million. I'm kidding. Um, uh, Dustin, I about just hung up this, this show on you. I about just kicked you off the program. I was going to ride this one out so long. I got to keep Allie, like, you know, gotta, like, give her a couple of jabs here and there. No, Allie. You never know. Hey, you never know what's going to happen on the show. Um, so yeah. everybody's saying, yeah. Accidentally. Here, here's what's bothering me. And I'm, I'm going to rant. We've got, we've got about 10 minutes here. I'm, I'm just going to go on a little, a little rant. I am very bothered by some members of the media um, just throwing David Njoku under the bus. The mindset. Now, here's the thing. David Njoku came out last year and said, requested a trade. We did many, many a shows where we kind of came up with some trade packages and what was going to happen. But that was prior to the season, prior to what we saw in the tight end room. And for Cleveland media to, 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 to say, or even just the media in general, to say, let's ditch David Njoku, who, by the way, is 24 years old and coming into his prime, who has significantly improved as a, as a blocker, significantly, and he has the highest upside of any tight end in the room, is egregious. That, that, well, that I, is the notion. Al, you know what we also said to David Njoku on our podcast? Where was the best fit for David Njoku? Cleveland. Right. We're like, this offense is made for you. And Allie, I saw it firsthand. You did too. David Njoku made some clutch catches and plays in that Kansas City. Yes. Yes. My point being is you you have the chief who's really coming into his prime. As I mentioned, he's 24 years old. Are you kidding me? The kid's a, he's a kid. He can block, he can can catch. He's incredibly athletic. He has the highest upside, but I'm going to talk about Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant here. Austin Hooper, he's younger than Kyle Rudolph, better at this point 
point in his career, better as a pass catcher and a pass blocker. Um, and then you have Harrison Bryant, fourth round pick, um, who's really up and coming. He kind of tailed off or trailed off at the end of last season, but really up and coming if he can enhance his ball security. But my point being is if you, let's just say you get rid of one of the tight ends and you bring in Kyle Rudolph, or you keep the tight ends and you bring in Kyle Rudolph, I think the goal for Harrison Bryant is to have him be the future in the tight end room, the future star in the tight end room. And what do you need to become a future star is you need valuable reps. And bringing in another tight end like that is going to eliminate that from David Njoku, from Harrison Bryant, and from even Austin Hooper, who is the highest paid tight end in the National Football League. So There's you only so many reps in the room, yeah. Yeah, you had Kyle Rudolph to the mix. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad player or he'd be a bad fit. I'm not saying that at all. He's very familiar with the Kevin Stefanski offense. And honestly, if we didn't have 17 tight ends, I think he'd be a great addition to the Cleveland Browns Mm -hmm. roster. The current construct of the Cleveland Browns offensive roster just simply doesn't make sense if you want to improve your young tight end room. Well, yeah. And, you know, Andrew Barry addressed that today as well, which was interesting. He goes, the tight end position is very vital to this offense in Kevin Stefanski's team right I mean he yeah. point blank because you know they tried to you know corner David you know <laughs> Barry on the David Njoku question yeah. because no you know David Njoku was a great player for us last year I think it probably just comes down to does it make sense for the Cleveland Browns and does it make sense for David Njoku you know like as far as restructuring and whatever that contract may look like right I think that's what it's going to come down to now I will tell you somebody that this has been heavy on my mind you need to go sign Hollywood Higgins the guy wants to be back in Cleveland. I loved on, I can't remember which ESPN radio show. He goes, Andrew Barry, send the contract. I'll sign it. Let's go. I like a guy like that. Like, you know what? Sounds like he's not going to ask for the world, right? He wants to stay in Cleveland. And he, Baker Mayfield relies on him a lot um, to not only get him out of trouble, but also um, relies on him in the offense. So, I, I, you know, that was, I'm like, please, please bring Hollywood Higgins back. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, going going into right now, kind of just a transition into the Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski press release or press availability availability that they had today, that was what they were highlighting. You know, we are going to do everything we can in our power to improve the roster and to improve the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns. Um, that's really their entire pursuit this offseason is to be aggressive right. in their approach, not to overspend or overpay, and to bring in high-quality talent that fits the on-field and off-field vision for the entire organization. So I, I have all the faith in the world that it's going to be addressed, and I think if a guy wants to be here, especially like that, who we do have chemistry with, who Baker Mayfield has that relationship and chemistry with, it makes sense for the best interest and long-term interest of the organization. Yeah. Well, he, he even said, you know, I didn't give up on you. Don't give up yeah. on me. You know, like, I think he really wants to be there. So I, I, I would be pleasantly happy for that to happen. Yeah, I would too. Sign me up for that. Uh, some news today. And guys, I, we're at that time of the year where I, I saw a, a statement from one of the executives in the league saying the upcoming weeks are going to be a massacre in terms of basically cutting. Um, well, somebody posted that on our wall too. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah. That, that was, the, that was the screenshot and it's, with the salary cap coming down, you're going to see it. It is unfortunate, but I think if you're Andrew Barry, Kevin Savansky, and you can hold off in, in that regard, Dustin, see what comes to you, it obviously makes sense. Um, so really at this point in time, Kyle Van Noy, who was released or told he was going to be released if they couldn't find a trade partner from the Miami Dolphins. 
um, Golden Tate release from New York, which is interesting. Um, not the guy that's going to take the top off of a defense, of course, but kind of that slot receiver, if you will. I don't think he'd be a, a good fit here. I think you, you re-sign Hollywood Higgins if you're going to go down that road. Um, but Kyle Van Noy, a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, veteran linebacker. Uh, I, I would hesitate on this one. I'd provide a little bit of a pushback, but what are your overall thoughts on Kyle Van Noy? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I would push back on this one too with you, yeah. Alan. I just, is the juice worth the squeeze, you know, in a situation like this? I mean, I don't know. If there's anything I know about this team, it's pretty young. Right. Um, they kind of are a little gun shy to sign some people that are more a little long in the tooth in the NFL. I mean, I think even JJ Watt at 31, 32 is on the fringes of where this team is, you know, as far as kind of the median age. Yeah. No, I think you can address to your point, you can address linebacker maybe again in the draft second round, you know, you know, you could even possibly get value there at pick 26. You could, um, I'm going to highlight the guy out of, um, out of Notre Dame, um, that he's got a lot of speed. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I apologize if I butchered that, but that was impressive, Ellie. I don't even have notes in front of me. That's just I'm just this hoping is that's how right. his brain works, folks. Just so you know, when it comes to the draft, so I'm all in, guys, I'm all in. I think if, if a guy like that does fall, you can, you can get an off-ball linebacker with value at pick numbers twenty-six. Now, I know previously I mentioned. <sighs> I'd have some hesitation going strictly linebacker in, in, in the first round, but that's just based off of value. It really is. Do I think they need it? Yeah, absolutely. But I agree to your point that they, they have to identify guys that are probably a little bit younger. Not that he would be a bad fit. I, and I wouldn't be upset if they did go out and get him. I think he'd probably be, he'd be great. I do think you do. You do need a veteran presence in that room. Even if you bring in, or if you draft somebody in the first round or any, any linebacker uh, in the draft, if you draft them, Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, Jacob Phillips, they are young guys. They do need a veteran presence, of course, uh, but I do think that you keep it consistently younger and it's going to be in the best interest long-term. Here's a quick question for you, Allie. So we talked about how I thought we should address it via the draft. Yeah. So I'll give you a hypothetical. So the free agency period happens. We kind of settle into wherever we pick up free agents. Do you see the Browns doing something that they don't typically do because this is a different kind of season, right? Where we have different needs. Do you see the Browns going from 26 and moving up in the draft because they see a guy that they like and say, man, we really like that guy and we think he can be a future Brown for years. Do you see if there's a guy like this starts to fall, right? Yeah. And if we can get up to 15 or 14 and go get him, do you see Andrew Barry trying to make a play and calling who's ever on the clock? Um, yes. So do I see it? I only see that happening if a guy starts to fall, right. I think really, and I, I honestly, Dustin, I'm going to, this sounds crazy. Call me crazy here. And I know wide receiver isn't a huge area of need, but I'm just going to throw this out there. If a guy like a Jamar chase uh, or a Jalen Waddle or a Devonte Smith starts to fall, not that you need a wide receiver, but somebody of that caliber, I can see that happening because I do think that you address wide receiver at some point in the draft, but if you can get the value there, Sure. But overall, if it's a, if it's defensively cornerback safeties, linebackers, and even defensive end, I think you trade back possibly out of the first round and pick up another mm-hmm. second round pick to build value there. Because I think defensively, this is a very rich draft. Right. The, really the only reason I can see them moving up is maybe if they do have a quick speedy off ball linebacker that they wanted to target, 
or like a Micah Parsons, if he started to fall, maybe that would be a name that, that you would probably and obviously do Micah Parsons. Um, maybe a Jeremiah Uso Koromora, possibly if that's your sole desire. Sure. But I think speed is, is what you're looking for, whether that's in the wide receiving room, whether that's a defensive end or a cornerback. I okay. think it could happen. So it has to be the special. So you would kind of agree that it has to be a special player that for whatever yeah. reason falling in. Yeah. But, I don't think you just move up for the hell of it. No. Yeah, but here, but here, and we know this, Allie. There, you, you also go, oh, why is the guy falling, right? Why are teams passing on him, right? Like this yeah. team and that team that should have taken him. So then you're like, uh, do we do this? Like what do other people see that we don't see, right? Yeah, I mean, that happened with Grant, Grant Delpit. That happened with Greedy Williams. Um, and you can say we got a steal. We can't, we can't speak on that for Greedy or for Grant Delpit because of his season ending injury. Right. Uh, but you get value off of that. Now, they only traded up into the second or, you know, from later on in the second round up into the second round. Uh, but if there's a, you know, Dustin, let me say this. If there's a guy like a Zaven Collins that's still on the board at 26, who's very likely to be there. But if there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe hype that somebody else is going to take him, then maybe you go ahead and, and make that selection move up maximum five spots. But unless I could see a, somebody like a Micah Parsons or a Devontae Smith or somebody ridiculous mm -hmm. falling, I don't think you move up more than five, five spots. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how many quarterbacks go in the top 10. Because as you know, that typically dictates where the pecking order goes for wide receiver, tight end, you know, you name it. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to throw, you know, you've got you've got Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Um, Zach Wilson, you have uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. These are in no particular order, by the way. Yeah. Trey Lance, uh, th there's quite a few. And then I'm going to throw in even the tight end out of Florida, Kyle Pitts, who has made a huge leap in his draft stock over, you know, just good. Well, he's good watching film. He's fantastic. Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. You have these guys that are generational talents. I mean, truly. Um, Micah Parsons out of, out of Penn State. There, there's a lot of talent in this draft, but I also think there's a lot of value. And I think that is where Andrew Barry says, we'll see what comes to us. I think they're always aggressive in their approach in the, in the draft. I think they are, but they yeah. do it. They do it very wisely. Yeah. I don't no, know. I, I, as, this can be a lot of fun. Um, and as you all know, Allie, um, I'm going to do as much homework as I possibly can because I've been giving multiple assignments and there'll be a final grade that I have to yeah. be graded on. So, but yeah, yes. as you know, Allie eat moves and breeze. He dreams about the draft. Like I, I really do, guys. I really do. Um, we'll get into more some more draft stuff as we go on. But uh, Dustin, let's go ahead and I'm gonna welcome um, let's get them here into the the waiting room. We'll have them connect. Looks like. Chills. Yeah, we are we are welcoming uh, the Marion Motley Memorial Fund Committee. Um, how you doing? Can you hear us okay? Hey, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Great, great. Doing great. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know uh, Dustin filled me in that we've got some basketball going on. We've got a lot of a lot of things going up in, in Ohio. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us, join us, and uh, talk a little bit about Marion Motley and what he's bringing to, to Canton, Ohio. Yes, thank you for having us. Um, Dave is going to be on shortly here. They are wrapping up the boys game um, right now. Um, our varsity team is playing Euclid. We are in tournaments, so um, everyone is multitasking right now, but I think they're about finished. No worries. Um, so you're in Canton, Ohio, is that correct? 
Yes. Yep. My hometown. My hometown. I, guys, I've got to talk about it before we even get into the bread and butter of this podcast, you know, with the Marion Motley uh, Memorial Fund Committee here. Canton, Ohio. Canton McKinley. Um, I am from, I'm from Magnolia, Ohio, uh, Sandy Valley High School. Uh, but, you know, when we had um, Marion Motley's uh, grandson Ronald on a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I was talking to him. I'm like, you know what? One thing I didn't realize growing up in Canton, Ohio, how special it was to be in such close proximity to so many legends and right. so much history. So it's, it's just it's great to, to talk with you and, and bring that perspective to some of our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that Marilyn Motley, you know, grew up there was kind of, is kind of crazy in itself, you know, you know, right. and then, he would end up being there someday himself, <laughs> you know, back in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, talk about a full circle, right? Like, that's yeah. kind of, that's, that had to be very surreal for him. So, well, absolutely. Um, and him, things coming full circle for him for his career is one of the reasons that this, um, this statue project is so important to us um, because Marion lived in Canton. Um, he played football for McKinley High School, went on um, eventually to play for the Browns, and then was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame here in Canton. So that did come completely full circle for him. Um, so we would like to do something to, you know, to honor him, you know, for several reasons, but obviously that being one, his, um, his bust is in the hall of fame we'd like to have a statue um right outside of the hall of fame absolutely jill can you kind of walk us through um actually here is david let me go ahead and admit him into our uh show here we'll have him connect uh david thank you for taking the time uh we appreciate it we've got jill on here getting ready to talk a little bit about uh who you guys are and just talk to us a little bit more about the committee um while he's connecting to the audio jill i'll turn it over to you to kind of just discuss that committee and and uh what you guys are doing absolutely um the... sorry we're, we're echoing here <laughs> So you know what I can do is I can uh, actually mute David for the time being. And okay. Just, uh, there we go. Let's try that. Is that working? No, Dave's going to have to mute his phone over here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, so the committee is um, made up of myself, Dave Jingo, um, Antonio Hall. He is the athletic director here at McKinley High School. Um, Mike Hairston, RJ Van Allman. Um, you know, this is something that just kind of started on a conversation, um, something that um, we were all on the same page. We know that the statue needs to needs to happen. Um, everyone keeps saying it's been long overdue. Um, so we decided to make that happen. I'm not leave. Okay, He's, he has left the room. There we go. Now we're cooking the um, gas now. <laughs> and then in addition to our committee, um, we've also partnered with um, a few organizations. Um, Canton Parks and Rec Department um, has offered up the space that we're going to use for the location of the statue. Um, they have been on board since day one, um, super easy to work with. Um, and then we have Rice's that's going to help with um, some of the landscaping. They're going to donate that. And Belden Brick, who's also going to help um, and donate some of the brickwork that we're going to use for um, uh, the, the pa you know, paved walkway and the brick wall that's going to happen behind the statue. Awesome. That's fantastic. Dustin, go ahead. Question. Is he in the same room as you? Is He's not anymore. He's down the hall. I can hear him opening doors. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't. He was in the same room. The the game finished up, so then he hopped into the same shot there if you wanted to, and on the same camera if you wanted to. But obviously, he's going somewhere. He won't echo 
It's um, a big building. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Allie, have you ever played in that building? You know, I've never played. I actually, Jill, I grew up playing basketball and softball my whole life. That's what I did. My my whole family, we were a huge basketball family, uh, but I never got to play in uh, Camp McKinley High School, unfortunately. Oh, I've been there many, many times. But like no other to play yes. in the field house. Well, I went to Sandy Valley and I will tell you this, during my time, we were not the best, so we didn't really get those opportunities, um, but I've been in the field house many times, and it's, Dustin, it is truly, it is something. The energy is crazy. It, it is. Uh, with, with COVID, we don't have quite the same energy right now. It's strange being in here um, with so little fans and everyone spread out and, you know, um, not having that student section on the floor, but um, hopefully we will be getting back to that soon. Um, we have a fantastic, um, uh, actually both of our teams are fantastic this year, the boys and the girls. So um, yeah. they've, they've been doing a great job in tournaments. Is, so what level of play is that in Ohio? Um, like, you know, like level of high school is it for like, division one so you're the highest level of, of, mm -hmm. yeah, yes I was just curious on that so is yep. the football team pretty decent as well um absolutely <laughs> um, oh, yeah. this, is, this is where football started so we um we absolutely have an amazing football team as well <laughs> Dustin, I, I'm sure it's you have there's a national rivalry everybody in the world knows about McKinley versus Maslin it's, oh, I, know. I, I, I didn't. Even, I didn't even go uh, to either high school, but I have a side in the rivalry. You know what I mean? It's just. It's. I mean, I really don't. But wait a minute. What's your? I was going to say. What's your hey, hey, we're on. I'm, I'm on your same page. I'm okay. With you. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. um, I have no ties to it. But on the masculine page, I mean, because I've heard of that rivalry. I mean, that makes it's, sense. It's it's insane. Um, but I want to get into some more history about Mary and Molly, and I want to talk about. We talk about full circle. So, mm -hmm. You know kind of grew up in Canton um, and then played for the Browns and then kind of full circle back in Canton into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we, we got to talk with Ronald Motley and just what it means for his family, but can you speak to kind of just, you know, the, the history and, and the life of Marion Motley? Is Dave on here yet? Because Dave is the, uh, the historian of the group. That is his area of expertise. If he can unmute himself somewhere. Oh, yep. He said he found a quiet place. You can unmute me. So okay, um, all right. He is unmuted. And then, David, if you want to add here, there he is. If you want to add video too, David, you can on your phone. I know these these zooms are. I've been having so many technical issues with it. But Dave, if you want to, uh... I was going to say, please add video. I'd love to see what part of the field house you're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm on some stairs, so. <laughs> and if not, absolutely no worries. There we go. Now there we're we are. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> no, you know, David, I, I just wanted to kind of bring uh, more of a historical perspective about Marion Motley. Uh, we got to speak with Ronald Motley. Was it last week, Dustin, or the week prior? And just kind of what what his family encompassed in, in the life of Marion Motley. And I just want to ask you, from a historical perspective, what does this mean for for him and his family? Well, I, I think it's very important to his family. There, uh, we've talked to several members, and they're all thrilled that we're uh, that we're making this statue and having it built in his honor. Um, you know, I think there was a long period of time where his legacy was sort of forgotten. And I think his family was frustrated with that. And uh, people like myself and Jill and the rest of the committee, um, we knew that that was a, a wrong that needed to be righted. So 
Uh, we set out on this uh, this mission, this this grassroots effort to uh, get this statue built, and uh, it's been a pretty positive uh, response. Uh, like I said, every member of the family that we've spoken to um, is really behind it. It means a lot to them. Um, they're all on our Facebook page. Uh, they're all contributing, telling stories, and posting pictures. So they're pretty excited. We're pretty excited, and uh, hopefully, we can get the rest of the community excited about it too. Absolutely. You know, I think one thing that was really interesting when we got to speak with Ronald was he's, you know, we said, what would this mean for you? What, what stands out here? He says, you know what, I just want when people think of the Cleveland Browns to think of my grandfather. I want them to think of Jim Brown. I want them to think of Otto Graham, but I also want them to think of Marion Motley. And I think that that what this is and what you guys are doing to bring this to life encompasses all of that. Yeah, you know, if you were going to make a, a Mount Rushmore for the Cleveland Browns, you, you would have Paul Brown, um, Jim Brown, and Otto Graham on there. And, and I think that the, the fourth one has to be Otto, or I'm sorry, Mary Mott. And uh, I know the family members feel that way. Uh, we feel that way. And, you know, he's had so many accolades on the field. He was named the, uh, in the 75th anniversary of the NFL. He was named on the all-decade team for the 1940s um, for the last couple of years ago, they did the uh, top all time 100 players. He was in the top 100 players of all time in the NFL uh, picked by a panel of, uh, you know, NFL professionals such as Bill Belichick. Yeah. So, you know, the, the accolades are just through the roof. So there's no doubt that he needs to be honored. And then of course we haven't talked about his civil rights contributions mm -hmm. where he, you know, broke the color barrier in professional football along with Bill Willis and um, Kenny Washington and Woody Strode from the Rams one year before Jackie Robinson. And, you know, that to me, that's significant. And, um, I, you know, from this, our vantage point here in 2021, knowing how popular professional football is, it's hard to imagine that it wasn't that professional. It wasn't that, uh, popular back in 1946, but it was pretty far down the depth chart. There was baseball, there was, uh, you know, boxing and college football. So it didn't, it didn't get a lot of notoriety when it happened. So you compound that with uh, uh, Marion not really bringing attention to himself and the whole accomplishment just sort of kind of faded. And we, we don't want that to happen. We want, uh, we want uh, Marion to be um, honored for what he did. He, he he sacrificed uh, emotionally, physically, uh, any way you can imagine, and uh, he needs to be he needs to be um, celebrated for that. Well, and you know it's interesting, uh, David. You point out, you know, back then baseball was much bigger than football was today, and it's almost like it's like the opposite, right? Football dominates the sports headlines, and baseball is taking a back seat. And I think it's what to your point, why Jackie Robinson got so much attention back then, because baseball was the sport, right? And so there was yeah. so much emphasis on that. And to your point, you know, Marilyn Motley just kind of went out and did his job. And just to him, you know, he probably didn't realize at the time what he was doing. Um, but as his life went on and the decades went on, it really set into like, really, wow, this is really what I did do. And to my, you know, Ali's brought this up too. I think the coolest thing about the statue that I think is super cool and kind of gives me chills is the fact that it's not only a statue of Marilyn Motley and his great football accolades that he did, but the fact that he's busting through these civil rights barriers and signs 
of, you know, this twofold, you know, he became bigger than life in two ways. And I think that's kind of, that's very rare for, let alone any human being, but let alone a professional athlete to have that kind of, um, you know, bestowed upon them in their lifetime, right? That just doesn't happen to people. Yes. Could you walk us through, paint the picture of what the statue is going to look like? Uh, sure. You want to take that, Joe? Um, sure, that's fine. Um, Go it's going to be um, an eight foot tall bronze statue. So um, including the base and the statue of Motley itself, it'll be um, approximately eight feet tall. Um, like he said, it's going to be, he's going to be carrying the ball, running over those protest signs um, that were very common in that, that time period um, during you know, the civil rights movement and things like that. Um, there's going to be a brick wall behind. Um, speaking of the brick wall, that is where um, anyone that makes a donation, $150, $500, you can purchase um, a brick plate cover that um, your name can be on this brick wall as well. Um, donations of $1,000 and over, your name is going to be mentioned on a plaque that is going to be on the brick wall also. Um, like I said earlier, Rice's Nursery is going to provide the landscaping. Um, so it's going to be in the um, stadium park, um, which is just east of the I-77 underpass. There's a triangular plot of land right there. Um, perfect space. It leads right up to the front entrance of the Football Hall of Fame, um, Tom Benson Stadium, and then McKinley High School's main campus right around the corner. So again, you know, he got, got his start playing football at McKinley. Granted, um, not the same location. Um, this is the new location, but, you know, he got to start playing football at McKinley. And then, you know, his, his career um, ends at, you know, the Hall of Fame where his bust is. So it's a perfect location for that. And again, we thank the Canton Parks and Rec Department for allowing us to utilize that space. And, and Jill, with that said, um, if anybody would like to donate to the committee and be a donation or uh, challenge other people to donate, mm -hmm. what is the best uh, avenue for people to do that? Um, the easiest way is going to be PayPal. Um, so I did go ahead and put the PayPal link in the comments um, while Dave was speaking. So that PayPal link is on there. Um, I also put the information for our Facebook group, um, Marion Motley, honoring his legacy. You can come there um, and the PayPal link is going to be there. And then there's also information on how to mail a payment. So we have a PL box. Um, we um, partnered with the um, Amateur Sports Hall of Fame here in Canton. Um, so you're going to mail that um, that check will go to them via our PO box, um, put Mary Motley Memorial Fund in the memo. Um, again, all of that information is on our Facebook page. And uh, when I can get to it, I'll put that in the comments as well. Um, but those are the, the two easiest ways to, to uh, donate and help us get this statue completed. And you know what, I will also put that on a separate post. It'll be here in the comments, but I will also put that as a separate post that we'll just post out to uh, everybody so you can have that link to directly donate. Uh, and we certainly encourage all of you listeners to do so. Um, so let me ask you, what is the, what's the timeline look like to, to make this come to life? I'll, I'll take that one. Um, ideally, we would like um, to have the statue erected and have a, an unveiling ceremony just before all the Hall of Fame festivities. So that would be late this summer, late July. Awesome. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's gonna be a tight deadline. We're, uh, we're trying to raise funds to get phase one started and we need to, you know, get that started soon. So we're, but we're optimistic. We've got, you know, we've got a lot of interest and, you know, we, 
welcome anybody who's interested to uh, check out our Facebook page and all the connections that Jill just let you know. And, and uh, if you're interested, we, we'd be happy to uh, have you on board. But uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be tight, um, but I'm confident that it's going to get done. Uh, there's a lot of people that are interested. Um, we're starting to um, garner some attention um, nationally. Um, there's some people within the National Football League that have contacted us. Oh, so we, uh, we're very optimistic. It's, it's going to be tight, but uh, we're optimistic. Well, we're um, very excited. Okay, I was going to say, I'm sorry, phase one is um, obviously going to be the most important here um, to get that project started. Um, there have been a lot of people that have um, expressed interest and said that they are going to donate and they want to donate. So if any of those people are listening, now's the time to get on that so we can get phase one started so we can stay on that timeline and have this completed before Hall of Fame week. Um, so we've, we've had a lot of donations come in, but not, we're just a little bit short of phase one there. So um, Again, that's the most important. So if we can get that in, that would be awesome. And I, like I mentioned, guys, I will put that here on our page and I will also tweet this out to all of our listeners on Twitter as well. Uh, we certainly encourage you to make those donations. Let's let's get this uh, available to come to life. And one thing I do want to touch on is, David, I, I before you jumped on, I was talking to Jill. Uh, I'm from Canton, Ohio originally. I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina now. Um, and I, I don't come home all of that all that often you know because my family visits me in the, in the warm weather here in South Carolina uh, but when I do get to come home for me it's always kind of surreal to be able to drive by the Hall of Fame and even though it was part of my childhood it was something I saw every day on 77 to come home now from an outside perspective to see that and I just really look forward to coming home this summer uh, or you know this this fall or winter and being able to visit this statue I I greatly look forward to that as a NFL fan myself, as a Browns fan myself, and now as a Marion Motley fan myself. I'm just really looking forward to that. Well, and Allie, I was going to add to this, and I think Allie, you'll be okay with this. I think uh, the Here We Go Brownies show, we will get together and we will do a donation, and we will be a part of the uh, a part of the uh, statue. I think that would be uh, fitting, and then we'll challenge all of our listeners as well to make a monetary donation. Um, but I think Allie, that'd be kind of cool to have our you know, have our name behind that as being a part of this uh, contribution. Thank you. thank you so much. Appreciate yes, that. Thank you. You guys have been so awesome helping us get the word out. Um, so to make a donation in addition to that, thank you. Yeah. Well, this is great, guys. Thank you for your time. We will do everything that we can to get the word out, to, to get the no donations coming in. But we sincerely thank you for your time. Um, and we, we look forward to, to the project. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. That is fantastic, guys. As we mentioned, that is the uh, Marion Motley Memorial Fund Committee. As previously mentioned, we will drop that in the comments. We'll drop it as a post, as a Twitter. It's going to be all out there. Please go make a donation. Support the Marion Motley family. Go support the Marion Motley Fund Memorial Fund. And let's get this very well-deserved um, and overdue statue resurrected into life in Canton, Ohio. I think it's really cool that they're starting to get traction now and people from the National Football League are calling them and stuff. I think that that bodes well um, when they hear the buzz of something happening. And when the NFL gets involved, yeah, typically that's a good thing. You know, they're going to see what they can do to push that out to all their avenues as well. And now, you know, what? I kind of threw that on you, but I thought that'd be super cool if, you know, we had the here we go brownies, you know, on a, yeah, absolutely. On a behind. that'd be really cool. So. Absolutely. Yep. So, so guys, please go check them out over there. Uh, they're fantastic to work with. Uh, so we are greatly looking forward to that coming to life. 
Um, Dustin, you know, we talk about edge rushers. We talk about cornerbacks. We talk about what the Browns need to do this offseason. Um, have you seen, no, totally off topic, but have you seen the Miles Garrett box jump? Uh, well, I saw one that's 59 inches that he can clear pretty good. And now he's challenging himself to a 63-inch box yeah. jump, which is yeah. insane to me. I mean, you've watched his basketball videos as well because you yeah. love basketball. Um, who wouldn't like who wouldn't like to have that guy on your team on the basketball? <laughs> I wouldn't want to go up against him, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's insane what he can do from a vertical jump onto the box. It's insane, which just goes to show you, Ollie, we, we know this because we watch him every Sunday. His quick, you know, his first quick, you know, off the line that out of the gate. I mean, that just goes to show you how quick he is, right? And the fact that how flexible he is and to be able to do that. And the fact that he keeps pushing himself to be better and better every year, um, he, he just sees, he's a freak. Let's just call it. He's, he's a rare specimen. Um, he, he's larger than life when it comes to football. And when we drafted him, to your point, he's once in a decade kind of talent, if not more, right? Yeah. Um, and we were lucky to get him. So yeah, I think it's fun to watch him. Um, yeah, I just... I just well, let me throw this at you. Just speaking on Miles Garrett, and, and you know, really, we could just dedicate this entire podcast to the defensive line. Let's say we go out and get a Von Miller, or we get a Trey Hendrickson. What what kind of production do you think we're going to get out of Miles Garrett in twenty twenty one? Oh, if you put a Von Miller over there, or, or anybody, any of the guys that Carl Lawson, uh, Trey Hendrickson, anybody like that, you, that that can somewhat compete with, you know, uh, you know, taking some of the chips away from Miles Garrett. Um, right. What kind of production do you think we're going to get going to get out of Miles in 2021? Well, remind me again how many sacks he had. Um, off the top of my head, he had what I did he, he have? 12, 12 and a half, something like that. Yeah, I think it was. Maybe. Um, how do I not know this? The number 12 seems to stick out in my mind for some reason. Um, he yeah, 12. It was 12. Okay. That's so, embarrassing for me. How did I not know that? Well, here's the yeah, I knew something before Allie did, guys. Yeah. Oh. Check it off. <laughs> um, no, I mean, 12 sacks with a man that had COVID. Let me just throw that out there, okay? Yeah. The guy was not 100% for a good five, six weeks of the season. Um, and you could tell that it had definitely affected him. And then you put a Von Miller on that end in a non-COVID, 100% healthy season. Yikes. That's scary. Like having two guys come at the, you know, and rushers like that. Oh boy. And then, and then the depth that we talk about where they can have, you know, rotate some guys into that's, that's some pretty lethal. I think you're looking at 16, 17 sacks. I mean, he could have a monster year. Yeah. I think 15 bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. I saw that. And I, I was like, well, you've, got to be kidding me yeah full disclosure Allie and I geek off on you know anything that's Browns related video viral stuff like that's you know that's our go-to <laughs> when it comes to like stuff we like to watch right like I mean it's like I don't know that's if I see a Miles Garrett doing a box jump you know rewind it watch it again yeah Back that's down. true <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah we're Browns fans what else we got it though <laughs> Um, hey, it's, just, it's the off season, right? That's what you yeah, That's true. That's true. But, but, you know, but you know what, Allie? If you get bored and you want to do some fun Brown stuff, you can always go to Spotify 
our Apple Play and subscribe and download the Here We Go Brownie Show and catch all those previous episodes. I've never heard of Apple Play, but if you meant Apple Podcast, then yes, you can find it there. Yes. Yes. We want to make sure we're getting that correct if we're going to promote that. Um, So please, yes, go check us out. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We are on Google Play, Spotify. Actually, we're not on Google Play. Don't check us out there. So um, check us out. Apple Podcasts. (laughs) We are on Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you need us, you can find us. Um, Dustin, any closing thoughts as we wrap up on a beautiful Wednesday evening? You know, uh, I just, you know, I think our sponsors... Um, we're going to have some fun, exciting stuff coming up here to talk about some other sponsors in the next couple of weeks. We obviously appreciate all of you as fans. Um, we'll take some calls in a couple of weeks and then do some more uh, call interaction with some of our fans. But we just appreciate that you tune in every Wednesday evening, even when it's not football season. We appreciate our sponsors like Only and Cleave, and we got some other ones. And Allie and I are pretty excited in about six, seven weeks to bring you some pretty exciting news from Cleveland and the NFL draft in the future. Uh, but no, I just want to give a, a huge heartfelt thanks to everybody that, you know, tunes in and is loyal every single week to us. Um, we could not do it without you guys, pure and simple. He's not wrong. You heard it here, guys. Guys, with that, please stay safe, stay healthy. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>